0: And Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious and exciting episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm joined by my co host, Kathy Amos, and our special guest, Amanda Foster from Crimson Cast today. Today, we're discussing today's Overtime win against Nebraska by your number four and three ranked Indiana Hoosiers, 74 to 62, as they outscored Nebraska 12 to nothing in the overtime. Uh, yes, you heard me right 12 to nothing in the overtime. Just wish we'd done that a little earlier. This takes the women's record to 13 and one overall and three and one in the big 10 but let's start this show the way we start every show and that's with our banner moment and and my banner moment today is going to go back to sydney parish at the in the overtime with 355 to go in the overtime she buried a three to give indiana a three-point lead and then um a couple possessions later while still holding a three-point lead sydney Parrish hit chloe moore mcneil on a sweet back cut uh, actually, a, off a back screen on a cut to the basket, that Chloe scored to give Indiana a five-point lead, and that those two plays are really my banner moment, as that really kind of set the tone for the overtime, and. Our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that you that loves great college collegiate gear. So whether you want want only IU gear or any other college teams or nothing associated with the team, Homefield probably has something for you. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And so we're going to send it over to Kathy for the Amos angle and get her initial thoughts about the game or anything else that may be on her mind.
1: Yeah. Hey, happy new year, everyone out there listening live or, uh, that listen to this later. Um, and a special thanks to Amanda for joining us here today as well to, to kick off the new year. So yeah, everyone, I mean, um, I was hoping for maybe a, little bit more of a low key after a a new year's Eve last night and uh, getting off the year started here, but they gave us an exciting game. And, you know, it was, uh, wasn't the, the, maybe the prettiest game we've seen. And we definitely are still feeling the absence of Grace Berger, but they pulled it out and the win is a win. They defended home court and they really came alive in overtime. And I'm sure we'll talk about their, their defense throughout the game, but their defense, I think an overtime just was amazing. They didn't allow Nebraska to score at all. Um, So I think to me, that's what um, really, came together. So, and if that's what we're, we're going to need to do, they did it at the right time. And uh, for me, I think that was, that was the the takeaway for me today,
0: Jeff. (laughs) So let's send it over to Amanda for Amanda's take about the game or anything else that may be on her mind.
2: Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me again. Um, it's been a while since I've been able to come on, but of course, always happy to talk about Indiana basketball. And I mean, Kathy, you you talked about it, just the defense, especially in overtime. It was like a whole new team kind of showed up, and that was the team that everybody was wondering for the first 40 minutes, what, where are they, what are they doing? And the fact that they were able to come out and perform like that in overtime and not allow any points from Nebraska says a lot about them. The way the entire game was played, I think, says a lot about Big Ten basketball and what we can expect going forward is that none of these games are going to be easy and I'm sure we'll talk about that later but it's all you never know what's going to happen no matter who you play and I also just wanted to touch on Jazz Shelley only scored five points today and she's averaging almost I think it's like 17 but like up there close Mm -hmm. to 20 and so that's another testament to how Indiana was able to play against her the entire game to only keep her to five points
0: yeah, and let's kind of build off of what Amanda talked about a little bit because I think Kathy, you and I in in our group chat a little bit, we're talking about this as well. Just just seemed like the, the you know Amanda brought up the defense and how Shelly only had five, but we one of the things I think everybody, including Amanda, she mentioned was we didn't feel like the defense was as solid as it normally is today, at least until the overtime. So, Kathy, what I was throwing that to you. What did you think?
1: Oh, sorry. Yes, um, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I think you know, outside of the overtime, we've you know, in our group chat, we have Jeff uh, between you and I and Ari. We talked about the D uh, kind of just not being there today. It was they seemed a step slow coming out, especially in that that first quarter. And you know, maybe they also had some New Year's Eve plans and um, not quite awake and ready to go. But yeah, and that really translated into their defense. But you know, if we're gonna again. They hung in there and um, that's really all we, you know, sometimes need to do. But Amanda, I think you had a great point. They they just have to continue grinding out. and Remember, the Big Ten is never going to give you a gimme game. We knew Nebraska was going to be tough coming in, even at home. Um, so hopefully these last couple of games is a great reminder for the team that, you know, they have to put their first, first, best foot on that floor every time they play, regardless of who they're playing or where they're playing.
0: Yeah, and, and Amanda, I think one of the things, if you're an Indiana fan watching this today or listening to us on the podcast, is this this was a game where we trailed for the biggest chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And so for the, yeah. for the players to be able to dig in and at least find a way to get it to overtime, I thought that spoke volumes about where their mindset was
2: hundred well, percent. And you talked about Sydney Parrish and I wanted to touch on Yardin Garzon because I was watching with my family. So my, my dad was downstairs and he said that he, you know, Terry Moore must have said something to, to and going into overtime because the way that she was playing, she, there was so much more aggressiveness and her steals and the, the way she was able to force the turnovers and just make a lot more of an impact in the overtime is what you need from her and from everybody else on the defense for the entire game. But I think she did a really good job of adjusting and coming into the overtime and, and making a big impact.
0: And we talked a little bit about this, Amanda, Kathy, and I did after the Michigan State loss on Thursday. Just somebody show some fire. I felt that was one of the things that was lacking on Thursday. Well, at least in the overtime, finally, Yarden showed some fire. She looked like she was excited. Mm -hmm. She was fired. And I thought that kind of really, again, I thought Sydney did, you know, had Harry made her a couple of plays before Yarden got going as well. But at least somebody was willing to try and bring some energy and bring some fight to that that overtime. And I felt that carried over to the others. Kathy, what did you think about that?
1: Yeah, I I did too. I think um, Yarden really showed a lot of emotion and we haven't seen that out of her, not just this game, but just in general, she's usually very cool, calm, collected player and boy, she really got fired up after I think it was a defensive play there. And it just, I thought it permeated throughout the whole team. I think Sydney as well, we could talk about her as well, coming in on that overtime and kind of playing a little bit more um, with the fire going with, with them. And I think between Sydney and um, Garzlone in particular in that overtime, both of their enthusiasm and excitement and fire finally showed up and it permeated throughout the rest of the team and it showed up in the score cor- scoreboard there um, at, in overtime.
0: All right, so let's let's go on and let's talk a little bit about what went as expected. Amanda, we're gonna throw it to you first with the, as you watch. And again, there probably wasn't a lot that went as expected. <laughs> yeah. but is, there anything, is there anything you wanna pick out?
2: Um, I mean, I think it would be silly to not talk about Mackenzie Holmes because that you, you watch you're like, OK, she's going to hit 20 something points today. That's that I was not surprised in the way that she performed um, because that's just who she is and that's how she plays. And we all know that. And they talked about that on the broadcast of just consistently being so, so consistent and so efficient with the ball and always averaging double figures in whatever season she's playing in. And so in a game where very few things went as expected and maybe as they should have, Mackenzie Holmes did. Everything that she was expected to do, and you could even say a little bit more, especially, you know, looking back to Michigan State, she definitely did more than people would expect. You know, 32 points is a career high is insane. Um, But so that's kind of become the expectation for her, I guess, if you will. And so she she was the, the consistent player for Indiana today, which is not really a surprise for anybody at this point.
0: And Kathy, what about for you?
1: Yeah, I, I had the same thing, Amanda, written down. Mac doing Mac things, I think, is exactly what I have on my paper here when I was taking notes. Um, You know, I, I think, um, you know, we've talked about the defense not being maybe great, especially in that first quarter. I do think it picked up some in that second quarter. Um, So you can see that they were really focusing on it. And to me, that that is something we would expect. Maybe it didn't stay consistent throughout the, the game like we would like to see it, but it did pick up in that second quarter in particular. And um, I thought it really picked up obviously as we've talked about in overtime. So to me, I think the defense started to get a little better and it was showing us glimmers of, uh, you know that it hasn't completely disappeared on this team which to me is definitely something as expected.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna go with that one as well. So it's interesting how all three of us are helping lead <laughs> it into the other is because when you look at the second quarter in the overtime, that's 15 minutes, we gave up eight points. And so that's kind of the defense you've come to expect from the from a Terry Moore and team, but there's been then you had, though, the first quarter we gave up 22, we gave up 18 in the third. So that's kind of like, well, well, that's not usual. So and, and so it was nice to see the defense get locked in um, w- with that. I, I will say this watching the game. I just feel like at times we're getting caught over helping. And that mm-hmm. part of that may be because we're, we're at times not just guarding the ball handler very well. But there were just too many times where a lot of their threes, I felt like came because we overhelped and then couldn't get back on the closeout and just made it easier for them. I'm not saying easy, but easier. So that was one of the things I took away. And I got a feeling feeling that's on their film and they're going to have to figure out. I'm sure they're working on it, but that has not been typical of the teams over the last two, three, four years where they, they really get caught so much overhelping. But I really, I, I did think that was part of the issue there. Amanda, anything else that you thought is, uh, you know, kind of went as expected on a day where maybe there wasn't much as I said earlier.
2: Yeah. I think one thing that I also, I was just looking at the stats and the, the way that, and I've talked about this when I've done my own podcast and writing about them and everything, but the the way that they just don't give up and the tenacity that they have, and especially yeah. Sydney Parish just she kept shooting those three pointers and they kept bouncing off and she kept missing, but she didn't stop. And really, you know, that, I think is also a testament to the way that the team is structured and kind of the mentality going back to the, the kind of same thing of only allowing eight points is just not giving up and keep pushing through. And we saw how that worked out for her at the end of the game and in overtime. And so that has become something that is not really that surprising to see them just keep trying to work through their issues that they're having on the court and in the game.
0: Kathy, anything else for you?
1: No, nope, but I had the, the same thing as well that, you know, you know the stick-to-itiveness and uh, McKenzie and then, you know, their defense, especially in the second quarter overtime. Those are my, my three things that I had.
0: Well, and I will also point out here, she didn't put up huge numbers offensively, but she was not committing turnovers. And that was Sarah Scalia today. Um, Sarah Scalia went the full game with you know she played 33 minutes, didn't have a turnover. Now she didn't have an assist, uh, she didn't have an assist or but she did have a steal. So you know, kind of a little bit a minimal bounce back game for Sarah, and she had six points. So I, I thought Sarah started to show maybe that she was at least finding her footing a little bit. So yeah, and that, and for rebounds,
1: us, Jeff too. I yeah. thought
0: those rebounds were important. Yeah. Yeah, and that was where I was gonna to get to as well. I skipped over that. Thank you, Kathy. And, and and from the standpoint that she She just, you know, sometimes when you when you're struggling, you know, she played a little bit as we expected today. That's why I'm throwing her in here. But just you got to find your footing a little bit. And and she I thought she did that today. So. So. All right. Well, what about surprises? Kathy, we'll throw it to you. Anything. Well, your first (laughs) surprise of the day.
1: The first surprise. Yeah, I think um, they again, you know, we we talked about this a little bit and I was I was actually surprised to see them have a slow start in that first quarter. Uh, I really expected, you know, especially coming off of this Michigan State loss uh, that they would maybe hopefully refocus and come out and really play with some tenacity um, from the the first tip. And they just looked a step slow. They look slow on offense. They look slow on defense. And, you know, it really, um, you know, kind of put that um Put them behind the eight ball there um, with a, losing that first quarter 22 to 19. And to me, that was this was kind of a surprise, I think, that they weren't quite as, you know, energetic. We haven't seen that a lot from Coach Morin and her teams. And, and so I was a little surprised at that, Jeff and, and Amanda.
0: Amanda, how about you?
2: Yeah, I have to agree with that one. Definitely, I think all of us were a little taken aback, and and similarly, just it seemed like at times the communication was not there mm-hmm. in the ways that we've seen it before. Because, and they they did a few times with the the way that the the ball handling and the passing can be so smooth sometimes, but then in in a lot of times today, it seemed like it just wasn't quite clicking. Which you at this point in the season and having having time off and coming off of a game where against Michigan State you weren't that successful you would think that that would be something that they would have worked very hard to improve upon from the from the get-go and that didn't seem like it was a very consistent um, thing and I was also kind of surprised with the way that up until overtime I guess in the last few minutes the way that and Garzon played just not with a lot of I don't want to say effort because obviously you put in a lot of effort, but it didn't look like there was a lot of that fire and a lot of that push that we've seen from her in the past. And we know that she has, it just seemed like it it wasn't all there today until we got to overtime.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and I will say this, uh, Kind of both of you kind of hit, led to where I was in, in terms of the surprising, but that also was the, that we really struggled at times with rebounding, and and again, I think that's part of it that some of these games that we're, we're, we're at least until we can get some of our injured people back, we're going to really have to to uh, rely on a committee rebounding, but they were out rebounding us for most of the game and we ended up tied. So that to me was, you know, that was a big thing that came out of there. I'm going to go also here as well. The other surprise, I liked it when we brought Lexi Vargas into the game and we went a little yeah. smaller and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. Lexi a little bit more later, but I just, that I, I'll throw that in here as a surprise, just because we haven't seen Lexi play this many minutes, especially against a quality opponent. So that was my kind of second surprise. And Kathy, we'll go back around the horn with you as well.
1: Yeah, Jeff, that actually leads into my second surprise, not just Vargas there, but in general, I thought at the beginning anyway of the game that we went to our bench really early. We also had Sandvicki got into the game today. We've had Alyssa Geary um, gave us four minutes and and Lily Meister um, actually came in and contributed some now. She only had two minutes, but still, I thought that it was surprising to me. Again, um, things we've been hoping for, I guess, at least Jeff and I on our our other um, shows that we've had hoping to see more of the bench. And today, at least early on now, I didn't expect it in a tight game in that second half and certainly not in overtime. You saw, we went back to our starters in overtime, I believe they all five played the entire time and overtime, but yes, the bench in general was just a nice surprise, especially Bargasser. So it was great to see her um, really contribute great um, minutes. And it, again, if people just simply didn't see the game and look at the box score, they might not see it from Bargasser. And um, I think, to me, she had just a really nice game, even though you might look at her stat line and go, well, she only had four points. Well, it's not always about scoring, right? So, and people miss that when you don't, aren't able to see the game. So, to me, just in general, to wrap up, yes, the surprise to me was that we had great bench play, especially from Bargasser, and early on into the game, we were getting some some players in there that we haven't um, really seen. Amanda? That was actually exactly what I was going to talk about too with, with Lexus and the way that the bench
2: played and the way they were able to all contribute um, and, and really do good things. And like you said, that don't show up on the stat sheet. So
0: Amanda, anything else you want to throw in here? Ooh, I
2: don't think so. I think we've pretty much we've, we've covered just about everything.
0: I got one, and then I'm going to throw it in in this segment, just because to me it was a little bit of a surprise that they talked about it as openly as they did on the broadcast. Grace, it was reported today. For those who didn't watch the game today and are listening to us on or watching us on YouTube afterwards, or were listening to the podcast afterwards, it was reported on the podcast today that Grace Berger was without crutches and without and without a brace. And they seemed kind of surprised and you guys can disagree with me if I'm wrong, if you took it a different way, but the way I took it, they talked like they were kind of surprised. They did not see her in uniform today. And so I think that gives us some real hope that we're going to see Grace Berger back much sooner rather than later. I'm not going to predict next week, but boy, they sure made it sound like she's going to be back, you know, maybe by the, by next time we play against Northwestern. what do you think, Amanda?
2: Yeah, I, so I saw on Twitter, I think it was against Michigan state. Someone put out there that she wasn't, in crutches or in Mm -hmm. in a brace anymore so that part was not surprising but i was surprised with the way that they talked about her timetable returning because at least from from my perspective as like a a media person we hadn't been told any sort of like four to six weeks six to eight weeks whatever and then they just came out and said four to six weeks and six weeks is next week i was like okay (laughs) but if you say so i don't really know um And I think part of me in the back of my mind was thinking when it not when it first happened, but in the next few weeks, like maybe we'll get her back in the beginning of January. Who knows? I wasn't thinking it was going to be today. Um, And I I don't really think it's going to be next week, but I think it's going to be something where we don't know what's happening until she gets out there. And then everyone's like, "Okay, great. She's playing again. Um, But I I wouldn't be surprised
1: if it is relatively soon, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, Kathy. I, I guess I, I just, um, I don't know how much inside knowledge that ESPN commentators have. So the, I'm taking everything they said and, you know. I, I'm gonna just discount it, and if they're right, then wonderful. And in my brain, I've been always just planning on Grace being out through January, and if we get her back sooner, then um, I'll just be ecstatic along with the rest of Hoosier Nation. Right. So I'm I'm kind of just going to ignore them. Although they did go to practice yesterday, so they very well might have some knowledge that um, maybe they weren't supposed to share, or they are just speculating in there. I really just. I'm trying not to read into it. <laughs> so, well, right I will now, say, line, yeah.
2: I remember last year when Mackenzie Holmes got injured. The way that myself and the other reporters found out her timetable was from an ESPN broadcast. Okay. Um, where so they said, help. so, so you never know. I'll just I'll throw that one out there because I was talking about that the other day, and like maybe they know something that we just haven't been and- told yet.
0: And I was just going to say that for both of you that coach Morin can be pretty secretive about injuries. I mean, for some reason, she's pretty secretive That's and that's her prerogative. I have no problem with that. Every coach can handle it the way they want to, but either they tell the ESPN's crew that's there to, you know, because they are willing to tell them something. Cause that probably is closer than, 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 in my opinion, that means she's closer to being ready mm-hmm. than farther away. Yeah. And secondly, I think they feel sometimes that, uh, with the national broadcast they've got to give them a little more sometimes than they give to the local people no offense yep. to mandarin or, or ari and the <laughs> others who are there on a daily basis i'm not saying i totally agree with that but i'm just saying i think sometimes that's it but they had to get that four to six weeks from somebody because that's the first time i've heard anybody around the program mm-hmm. an announcer media person actually say four to six weeks the, right. the, that was what the timetable had been on an injury which though a man i don't know if you've been able to catch some of our shows as well in the past, but we were, we kind of discussed a little bit that one of the things that I thought was that I thought that her injuries very after it happened. And then after AZ Fudd got hurt when with Connecticut and they said she was three to six weeks, I thought those injuries when they happened looked very similar. And so I just want, I just kind of started wondering about a six week timetable. So, but you know, that's just, you know, those are my opinion and things like that. So, but yeah, I, that's it. So, but Hey, we're going to go inside the numbers here and and talk about those things today. And in a day when the numbers were not always pretty, but Amanda, uh, we've already thrown some out, but do you have any team stats that you, uh, a team stat that you'd like to point out?
2: I think one thing that I noticed, especially coming off of the Michigan state game was the turnovers and Indiana finished with 13 and Nebraska finished with 21 and, and Indiana was able to get 26 points off of those turnovers, which is a really big step up from the last game if, you know, just bottom line, that Indiana was more around kind of their season average in terms of turnovers. And I think that is a is a good thing in a, in a game, obviously, where not a lot of things kind of went as people might have expected, that that's a good thing to see. First of all, that they can bounce back after a game where they struggled so much with turnovers and that it, it really was probably more so just a one-off against Michigan State and not something that is
1: necessarily uber concerning going forward for the rest of the season
0: kathy a team stat
1: yeah i definitely turnovers and points off of them is when we were watching very carefully right after that michigan states game so for me though of course i think the other just big glaring on the negative <laughs> side is the three-point shooting right um it, you know at halftime we were um I don't have the numbers in terms of shots, but we were shooting 11% from three and ended up at only 25%. And Amanda, you, you touched on it earlier, right? The, the thing with that though, on the positive side, even though that, that sh- those shots just were not going down, especially Sydney Paris, she just didn't, she didn't quit putting him up. Like she had the confidence to keep doing it and she ended up with three of nine. So not great, but you know, those, those two that she shot um, in particular are made in particular. were very timely in that overtime. But on the negative side, and we've talked about this in the last podcast after Michigan State, is how Sarah Scalia has really just seemed to um, lost her confidence. She didn't take a single three today, and part of that, I know, Nebraska was really, um, you know all over her in terms of her, their defense, but we have to find a way to get Sarah going again and getting some shots up. And you know what I, if she goes similar to Sydney and goes three for nine or one Ooh. for five or whatever it is, I, I'm okay with that. As long as we get her going again, cause that's really the main reason we brought her in today. So um glad to see the team stuck with it in the overtime again, especially Sydney, but um, I, I'm hoping this doesn't become a trend that we see on three point shooting.
0: Yeah and I'll kind of go into another shooting number for us that's more positive uh, 24 of 30 at the free throw line. We went to the line 21 more times than Nebraska did. We were plus 19 on free throws. We you know back to kind of the old famous Bob Knight stat. We made more free throws than Nebraska shot by far. and um, Nebraska was 5 for 9. We as I said we were 24 of 30. So again, I, that's a stat that When you look at that, if I'm doing my math right, 80%. And I'll take that as a coach every day if we can get 80% at the free throw line because that's going to – that's, and, again, I don't plan on getting there 30 times, but when you can get there and make 80%, you're going to give yourself a chance in a game Mm -hmm. where you haven't played well. So Yeah, and they shot a lot
1: of them too. You know, Mm -hmm. great volume too for them and knocked them down very timely. Yeah, that definitely was a good – game winning for us
0: (laughs) so uh, let's kind of go back around the horn if you got another one amanda is there another team stat that stood out to you
1: um
2: there was on the other end with with nebraska with the 21 personal fouls because that's going off of the what you just talked about with the free throws the way that indiana was able to get those fouls and right from the get-go especially with alexis markowski and with her going up at Kenzie Holmes and with the, the whole clash underneath the post with those two, I think that had a really big impact because they ended up sitting Murkowski for a while. And just the, the way that they were able to, to impact the game, with drawing those fouls from Nebraska was, was very impressive to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kathy, anything else?
1: um just real quick a touch on the rebounding we i thought those was going to be pretty important coming in we ended up tying them and rebounding 38 38 um but uh moreover I think bench points uh, is something again was kind of lopsided we ended up with only six bench points to their 19 um now to be fair uh 10 of those um, 19 for them were from Hybe. um and you know, she wasn't even expected to play at all this season and coming into this game. She had, I think we had looked, she had only played in three games for about averaging five or six minutes. She ended up playing 25 minutes for them and really contributing, um, uh, technically off their bench with, you know, 10 points and, um, four assists, five rebounds. So I think that really made a huge difference for Nebraska. And Jeff, you and I talked about that, right. Is something to watch for Nebraska as they progress through the season here is how much she gets involved. Does she get back into the starting lineup and, you know, so it looks to me, she's definitely working her way back into that really a lot more quickly than I think anybody probably expected. Um, she, her seemed a,
0: she seemed a lot more fluid and mobile yeah. than I thought she would. Mm-hmm. Me too. Based on her injury and based what we kind of were thinking, should we might see. So, but Nebraska's kind of, Nebraska's solid. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're going to give people fits. The problem I think they have is, uh, that Nebraska may have is they're going to go out and beat a good Maryland team on the road. and But then they're also like we saw capable of losing to Michigan at home. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you you sometimes inconsistency is still probably an issue for them, but but we're we're not here to discuss Nebraska's issues more than we are ours. So (laughs) no, let's leave them. Let's (laughs) let's let's go back around the here, and I didn't really have another team stats. You guys really took the ones I would have taken as well. So let's talk about individuals. Kathy, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Amanda.
1: Yeah, I. And I don't know if this is necessarily just honing in on individuals per se, but, um, you know, we will talk, I'm sure about McKenzie and some of the upcoming segments more. So I'll, I'll let her um, kind of um, marinate there for us for a little bit, but um, in terms of just in general, I think we need to get her some points um, from other players, you know, for the longest time, almost four minutes left in the regulation, she was the only player for us in double digits. You know, we had Sydney was getting really close at nine and Chloe Moore with eight, and we did end up with four four players in general with double digits between Garzon, um, Sydney and Chloe Moore McNeil, but we have to get um, McKenzie some more help offensively. We can't, and they, we saw this in Michigan state. We can't have her being expected to go out and score, you know, 20, 25, 30 something points a game. It's just not a realistic thing that we can maintain and continue winning games. It, it worked today, but we got a way to get people more offensively productive going, going forward earlier in the games.
2: Amanda. I mean, yeah, you're you're totally right with that. And I'll go back to what we talked about with Sarah Scalia and just the the volume. She's not able to produce at the volume that she was last year. And for whatever reason, whether it's a a loss of confidence or they're just they're running different plays. And so that's not what she's being tasked with. I'm a little surprised that we haven't seen more of that with getting her the opportunity to shoot the ball um, in the last two games, especially once we get into Big Ten play. But I just don't see how you can – I be am sure they're not okay with her finishing with six points because you wouldn't but I don't know how you wouldn't necessarily change something in the game to have her be able to provide more of that for Mackenzie Holmes and for Sydney Paris so they don't have to keep going in these these high volume you know 20 plus points when you have everybody is capable on the team of scoring a lot of points and I think Sarah Scalia is just one that they need to figure out how to get her to be able to do that
0: yeah, I would kind of agree with that they may need to run at least a couple, a handful of specific plays to try and see if they can get her going early in the game. Especially, I think Scalia is one of those that it really is. If she sees her first shot or two go in, her confidence really kind of swells, and then it really it kind of rolls from there. But the, but the flip side of that is, you miss your first couple, then you kind of start getting a little creep of self doubt, and then all of a sudden you start think the the basket looks a little little smaller. Um, I'm going to point out here, uh, Chloe Moore McNeil, and, and I will say in the, in our group chat that. Yeah. I was one at least through about the first half plus third quarter. So I was not very pleased with the way Chloe was playing because she wasn't doing much. She was, she had like four points. I think they all four came off the free throws and she didn't have an assist at that, or maybe one assist at that point and, and really wasn't doing, but from that point on, then she really kind of picked up her game. She finished up with 13 points. She was seven to eight at the free throw line, four rebounds, four assists, five steals. And so I, I really thought Chloe played, you know, especially down the stretch. And then again, in the overtime, I thought Chloe played with Chloe's play was really crucial. But again, it was one of those where I was kind of ejected. I was kind of like, ah, Chloe, I need more Avi. And then at the end, I was like, that's what I was looking for. So anyway, so Kath, let's go back around the horn here. What about you got anything else you want to talk about the individuals? Um,
1: No, I I don't think so, Jeff. Um, I think we covered most of it, um, at least that we'll want to cover in this segment. Um, Other than, you know, I I do want to talk a little bit more about Sydney. She just, again, came alive there for us at the end and ended up with some nice, nice numbers, 16 points and seven rebounds. So so the only other, I guess, maybe uh, I liked the only other thing is while our turnovers as a team were down to 13, I thought Garzon, again, had some just very untimely turnovers again and led the team in, with four again. So I'm still watching her on that because we've talked about her basketball IQ and how high we think it is. i, I I'm still hoping that will get turned around here sooner than later, the same way her fouling had earlier in the year. So that's that's probably it for me on the individual side.
0: Amanda, anything else? Yeah, I don't
2: think so. It's and it's just another individual and also a team thing of just the whole coming alive at the very end and when you really need it. I would much rather see that spread across the entire game, and so we're not sitting there worrying about Chloe or McNeil or or Sydney Paris or any of any of them besides Mackenzie Holmes really figuring out what they're doing. I would much rather see that starting rather than finishing.
0: All right, so we'll finish this segment up, and we'll come we'll play on into game balls and who's your hustle awards.
1: All right, we're gonna play a little music for Bob while we transition here as well.
0: All right. So we're going to start off with our game balls today and we'll go around the horn here. And I believe Kathy is going to pull up for those of you watching on the YouTube feed. You can see our our running total at the bottom of the screen. Mackenzie Holmes leads the way with eight. Uh, Sydney Parrish has two. Yarden Garzon has two. And Grace Berger with one. And so, Amanda, we'll go around the the horn. We'll start with you. Who did you have for your game ball today?
2: I mean, it's going to sound (laughs) like a broken record, but I feel like it has to be Mackenzie Holmes because I don't see how they win this game without her doing what she did today. Um, And that's kind of just the bottom line. She was so consistent. She finished with a double double 22 points and 10 rebounds. And so, you know, you could you could stop there. But she just did exactly what she needed to do and exactly what she is known for doing. And that is just kind of be the team and support the team and do whatever the team needs. Kathy?
1: Yeah, we'll make a second here. And uh, Mackenzie Holmes was, you know, I think I probably wrote her name down. I don't know, about halfway through the first quarter. I'm not sure, but you could just see Mackenzie came out. She was the one player I thought came out ready to play from the tip. Um, And, you know, she already mentioned, Amanda mentioned that she already Got another double double, I believe her fifth now on the year. Uh, she also had three assists and five blocks. So and a steal, right? So I mean, she was doing on both ends of the court, and you could just really tell too that that fire and enthusiasm came from her from the beginning and um, really came alive over time. So to me, that's a it was a pretty easy decision on game ball.
0: Well, you guys, uh, we're going to make it unanimous. McKenzie Holmes is the game ball for the Nebraska game here in this 74-62 overtime win. I'm not going to go into any of your stats. You guys took them all from me, so we'll we'll stick with you know the guys. I was hoping nobody, I was hoping nobody would mention the block shots, but but Kathy found that to get it in. So all right, so let's go back around the other way this time. Kathy, we'll have you go first. Who's, who's your Hoosier who's your Hustle award? And again, we can see the awards down here at the bottom so far. Uh, Chloe Moore McNeil leads the way so far with three and a half game balls. Uh, Sydney Parish with three oh, they're tied. excuse me Sydney Parish yeah. with three and a half as well Grace Berger, Caitlin Peterson, Alyssa Geary, Lily Meister and Lexi Bargesser all have and Yarden Garzon all have one apiece so those are our game balls but Kathy who, who gets your or excuse me who's your hustle who gets your hustle award today?
1: Yeah, you know, um, because I just thought she had some important minutes. I, I'm gonna go with Lexi Vargaser here today again. Um, uh, I thought again, if you just read her stat line and go, mm, ho hum, four points, one field goal out of one out of four, um, but she was solid, right? I mean, she came in, she had four rebounds as well um, and an assist. And you know, there's some things she again, you know, there was a little bounce pass she tried to make down to McKenzie that luckily got kicked by Nebraska that would have given her a turnover, but she didn't have any term and she had some close calls, and that's great learning. But boy, she—I thought she just had great hustle for us. You know, again with Sarah kind of um, struggling today, we mentioned it was just not garzone's day, and she came in and had great minutes. I thought twenty-three minutes off the bench. So for me, I'm voting um, for Lexi um, for my Hoosier Hustle Award. Amanda, um, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one, just because of the way that she was able to come
2: off the bench, especially as a freshman, is really so hard to kind of talk about in a way because it just means so much for her to be able to do that as sort of like that that sixth person now that you have Sydney Parrish in the starting lineup and and like we've talked about the stat line doesn't do her justice especially today in the way that she was able to to handle the ball on both ends of the floor and just kind of be present in almost every play that Indiana was running um, is is just so important in in a game where she needed to step up I think she did and she did it fully with with no hesitation.
0: Yeah, and so it's two out of three is going to beat me. I I was going to go with Sydney Parrish. I I agree about what Lexi Bargesser did, but I just thought that without Sydney's, um, and maybe it's not quite the true hustle role here, but somehow we got to talk about Sydney's, um, sixteen points, uh, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, and so I was going to go with Sydney Parrish for my hustle award. But that the two out of three is is enough. That's going to give uh, Lexi Bargasser, her, um, second hustle award on the season. So congratulations to Lexi. And also I will say this, you, Kathy, you mentioned Amanda as well, 23 minutes. I believe that's a season high for, and she didn't Mm -hmm. have a turnover. And I Mm -hmm. thought that to me was one of the big things watching the game. I thought they settled down a little bit more when they had, and again, I know she's a freshman, but she's more of a natural point guard than any of the others really are. Chloe's doing as good as doing a great job. She has been since grace went down. But Sarah's not really a point guard. Sydney's not truly a point guard, whereas Lexi's a point guard. And I thought that really helped them with the turnover battle today in terms of unlike what they did up at Michigan State, where they just seem to be throwing it left and right to, to out of bounds to the other team, whatever. So I thought that was, again, doesn't show up in the stat line. But I think that's where they really kind of felt a calmness out there and were able to break down some of that three-quarter court pressure that they saw, again, from Michigan State on Thursday and the end of the day, uh, from Nebraska. So we're going to move on here into lingering questions. And, and one of those that we had from the workaholics here, John Haddett, what could we do to improve three-point shooting? And Amanda, we'll let you take that one first. Oh, man.
2: <laughs> That's not very um, nice
1: to our guest, Jeff.
2: <laughs> shoot a lot so in practice? I don't yeah. know.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, no, I think, I think a lot of it for them right now, and this goes back to what we've talked about with Sarah, is just confidence. And we saw how Sydney Parrish was confident in her shot because she kept shooting, but no one else was. And so I think it, it comes down to, to just doing the reps in practice and then figuring out somehow, and this is, this is a, a coaching thing to figure out at that point, just how to convince the players that they are capable of doing it in a game because we saw in the beginning of the season that they can, the non-conference schedule we saw that they can all make their three pointers. They just need to, to start doing it again.
0: Yeah. Kathy, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, Sarah clearly needs, needs that confidence back. She didn't even attempt a three today and you're, you're not going to start making them again if you don't and attempt any. And, you know, this that, that's probably, um, my lingering question really is with Sarah is how long will she be kind of in this, this trough right now that she's going through and, you know, how can she pull herself out of it? Cause we talked a little bit about that. The coaches can help, right? I mean, but they can only do so much. And right now it's gotta be with Sarah. And she's going to have to figure out what Sarah needs <laughs> to get herself playing again. And, and it, to me, that's probably the biggest, um, factor that will go into our three point shooting as well. You know, I think it'll come around. I'm not too concerned about Chloe. I'm not concerned about Sydney. I am pretty concerned about Sarah at this point.
0: Yeah. The only thing I would say here is I think there are times when we're running our offense that we sometimes, if you watch closely, it's almost like we get in our own way at times. Yeah. We'll be running mm-hmm. some high ball screen or a little weave action. And somebody all of a sudden points puts kind of pops into a spot where if they hadn't, weren't there, that pass could be going to an open three point shooter. Instead, it kind of like it, it, then all of a sudden it's like, well, you've brought the defender there as well. And so you've kind of just jumbled it all up and, and, and gotten it all kind of compacted. I, I like to see us run something that they, did it a couple times. and I think it was early in the in the fourth quarter when Sydney also hit a three. Um, uh, yeah, because she was three for nine. So I think it was early in the fourth quarter when she hit a three. They ran a little bit of a set where they kind of ISO'd her and McKenzie on one side of the floor, and she fed the post they kind of turned to help and then Sydney repositioned into an open spot and Mac fetter for the three. I'd like to see a little more of that. I'd like to see mm-hmm. a little more where we just try to maybe get Sarah, Scalia, Sarah Scalia a, 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 a set for a, for an open three look, but right now you guys said it the best. It's all about their confidence, but the only way you build confidence is to keep shooting. Now, again, when you're one for nine, and I think they eventually got to like one for twelve um, for the at that at one point in the game, it's hard to keep shooting it. But it, there's the old adage you don't, you're always going to miss the shot you don't take, and so shooters have to remember that they're shooters. Even when they're having that crisis of confidence, so uh, Kathy, what are, any, any other lingering questions that you kind of have coming out of the game or coming off these last few games?
1: Um, I, I think that Becerra was my biggest one. The only other one, again, just to continue to watching turnovers, we we saw it jump out at yeah. us at Bowling Green, we saw it at Michigan State. Um, I, I just want to make sure that you know it doesn't become trends where we're every other game. Now we have these high turnovers. Uh, they looked really good today outside of, you know, a few, I thought from Garzon. So that's not a huge concern yet. I just don't want it to become some kind of pattern for the team. And I'm sure. And I know again, thanks to our ESPN commentators going to practice yesterday. We know that coach Morin and the coaching staff was definitely focusing on that in practice yesterday. So we, we know the staff and the players are super smart and they're focusing on it, but that's definitely something I want to continue watching as well.
0: Amanda
2: yeah outside of the three-point shooting and the the turnovers I would just say whether or not they're they're able to start games with more energy at this point because the last two games they kind of came out flat and you can't come out flat in Big Ten play it's just not going to work for you and we saw it today we saw it we saw it against Michigan State playing they're going to have to play from behind and while that they can do that the the way the team is structured I think they they shouldn't have to you know, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're able to come out strong. And so that's just something I think one of the biggest things that can impact whether or not they win or lose games from this point is, is the energy and the mentality coming into the game.
0: And, and also, I agree with that, Amanda, and I thought Kathy had a very good uh, as well. But I think also that also, I think, will help them be better locked in defensively or maybe vice versa, being better locked in defensively will help them get a better start. And so one or the other, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Do they need a better start to get locked in defensively or was the defense give them a better start? I don't know, but I thought that was, those were excellent. So those were our lingering questions we have going into the game at Northwestern and the nice thing. Now you get another day, a week off. Basically, you don't play again until next Sunday as we, as we preview our next opponent, that game next Sunday, uh, three o'clock Eastern to central is on BTN or big 10 plus, Um, So you'll have to have that subscription to be able to watch IU is 40 and 36 all time, including 14 and 25 in Evanston. But IU has won the last 11 in a row with a 69 58 win last February in Bloomington is the last matchup. And so, uh, Kathy, I'll give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, Northwestern here.
1: Sure. Yeah. So as a team, Northwestern is currently six and six overall. They're zero and ten. oh uh, and ten. My goodness. Zero and two. <laughs> that would be amazing. How do you go six and six and go to zero and ten? But uh, no. Zero and two in the Big Ten so far. They just lost Wednesday to um, Wednesday the twenty eighth to Ohio State at home, eighty one to forty eight. Um, the interesting thing for me when I looked at Nebraska or excuse me, Northwestern. Wrong in team. Um, Northwestern is that uh, five of their losses are to ranked teams or soon to be ranked teams because I. Fully expect Duke with their their win this past week to be ranked um soon as well. Um and, and their sixth one was DePaul, which is not a bad team to lose to as well. So if you look at their record, say six and six. Eh, oh i guess you know no big deal they're they're you know not that great of a team again to your point amanda you can't overlook anyone and especially going on the road we have to have a faster start because you know their only other conference loss was to michigan they lost to michigan on the road seventy-seven, sixty-six. so i don't think northwestern's a team we should overlook at all um they're averaging right now and again back to i i set that up because you know Five losses to ranked teams, right, like Oregon and Ohio State and some of these just really fantastic teams has really, I think, impacted their their um, stats here. So as a team, they're averaging 65 points per game and they're giving up 69 to opponents and they're being out rebounded as well. One and a half um, rebounds per game. Um, They're only shooting 39% field goal, including 26 from three. So at least right now, again, on paper, I'll be fully transparent. I haven't watched them. They don't look like a threat from three point. Um, And they're also though, holding their opponents though, the 39% shooting and 29% from three. So that will be interesting if they're holding their opponents to 29% from three point, will we be able to, um, get our three-point groove back against their defense because it seems, again, on paper that maybe their three-point defense is there. Um, And the interesting thing is in turnovers, they're forcing 18 and committing 18 turnovers per game. So I don't know if that means that we'll have a sloppy game here on um, Sunday or not next Sunday, but I guess we'll see. So um, did you want me to go into any of the players too, Jeff, or...
0: Well, I'll take I'll take you a couple of them up? here. Yeah, yeah, they have two players averaging double figures, and Kaylee Walsh uh, at twelve point eight, Sydney Wood at ten point nine. Courtney Shaw leads them in rebounding at five and a half, and they only have started the, only two players have started all twelve games. Six others have start, have been in the lineup. Joe McCann uh, has been the head coach since two thousand eight. He is currently. Uh, 247 and 204 at Northwestern, 102 and 138 in Big Ten play in his 15th year, 756 and 378 overall in his 37th year. I didn't realize he'd been around that long, but as I went back and looked at his career record, I was like, wow, 37 years as a head coach. So, Amanda, uh, uh, have you had a chance to look at Northwestern Munch or remember much about him from last year? It's a, a, a different team than last year because they graduated one of their best players.
2: Yeah, very different team. I will uh, confess that I haven't had a lot of time to be looking at them. I saw the start of their game against Ohio State, and then Ohio State went on a run, and I was tired, and I went to bed. So it's, you know, I'm on break. I got to get my sleep. But I will say the kind of the thing about this game, I think it's misleading in a lot of ways because Indiana has a lot of time off, which could be good or bad, because when you have a week, there's a lot that can go into it on either ends from a, when you're looking at the, the overall records and, and even in season records, like you talked about with the six and six compared to, to Indiana's ca- more casual fans, I guess, or just people looking at the records would say, Oh, it should be easier for Indiana, but it won't be because it's the big 10 and we've talked about it before mm-hmm. is that you can't just go by the numbers and the, the expectation and the hope is that the team obviously knows not to go by the numbers and that they don't let that get into their heads but you never know what's going to happen. And so that kind of thing, I think, will contribute to how the game is played and how it eventually ends up. But it's it's not an easy throwaway game by any means. Um, and like you said, Kathy, because no Big Ten team, and no Big Ten game can be at this
0: point. Yep. Absolutely. Impulsen. I agree. I agree. Totally. And I think that's the mindset they got to get to a little bit that it makes me wonder a little bit about that game at Michigan state. Did they get caught a little flat footed thinking mm-hmm. it was going to be a little bit easier than they, than it would be. And so I think they got to kind of get that mindset that every game is going to, they're going to get everybody's best shot. When you're ranked in the top mm. 10, you're going to get everybody's best effort. Now, even with the loss this week, I still expect them to be in the top 10. I think they'll drop down seven or eight down to number seven, some number eight, somewhere in there because yep. other teams are losing as well. Um, and I don't think they'll hold a loss on the road at Michigan state against as much against them as they would have a loss at home to Nebraska mm-hmm. today. Yeah. So, so yeah, we had
1: what that day, us and two other top 10 teams lost. Um right. So yeah. the, the rankings are going to be interesting when they come out again. Yeah.
0: So. So, you, we've been keeping you updated about Hoosier alums in the community and on the Twitter feed. You can follow us on Twitter at DTW IUDWBB or just search for us on Twitter, Doing the Work, or check out the Assembly Call community page. Uh, we also want to be sure to have you catch and subscribe to the next episode of Crimson Cast. That's part of our back home network. As Amanda mentioned earlier, she now has a podcast there where she's talking about the women's team as well. So, give her a listen. Uh, AC Radio. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday with a post game show. The men will be back in action on Thursday. At Iowa, and that will be a huge game for the men, uh, not only as a conference game, but also to kind of maybe start getting them going back into the right direction. Um, Our next show will be next Sunday at approximately five o'clock Eastern, four Central, as we'll be live following the Northwestern game. And so we're hoping everybody will be able to be back here and join us again for our live broadcast here on YouTube. Or you can always listen to the podcast on your favorite service, whether it's Spotify or Apple, whatever that may be. okay it's time for last call and kathy we're gonna go to you first for last call we'll have amanda's our guest kind of finish to wrap us up then all
1: right no pressure amanda <laughs> uh, i'll take all the great stuff and then let jeff have it no <laughs> just kidding um yeah you know for me again happy new year to everyone out there and is, we got a win right we're starting off the the 2023 on the right side of the win-loss column and you know we're keeping things rolling here i think as a program and just loving to see that grittiness that we we know that nebraska is not a team to overlook um they had a little bit of a slow start but they didn't quit on us they didn't quit on themselves and they battled back and they boy really just came alive in that overtime so what i'm hoping to see as we go into this um game against northwestern on the road is can we take our defense now from that overtime take it with us on the road let's go up to evanston and get started right away and um you know maybe just have a really game that um, we don't have to have heart attacks about. So for me, that's what I, I'm kind of looking for. Get, take that week that we have off now, really focus on, again, getting healthy, everyone staying healthy, making our defense and traveling, traveling it up to Evanston.
0: Amanda, your last thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, after after this game in Michigan State, there's no doubt that there are a lot of things for Indiana to work on. But that's not a bad thing. And Mm -hmm. the close games are not bad things. And they're not things to like lose your head over or get really upset about because they're going to happen now that we're in conference play. Hopefully, the Northwestern game and and not every single game will make us, you know, biting our nails on the edges of our seats until the the buzzer goes. Um, But, Kathy, like you said, we we continue to see how determined and how gritty this team is. And that is going to be one of the biggest difference makers come March and come postseason and tournament time is the the mentality and it's very clear that from this game and and going forward they have that and they have the skill and they have all of the abilities to to win and to make it and i think this game just reinforced that yeah
0: yeah, I, I'm going to kind of work off of that as well, that we're, look where this program has come under Terry Moore and where we we're, we're, were our first loss is on December 28th of the season. We're 12 and 0 we lose and people were starting to kind of I say losing their minds, but people were all of a sudden like, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with the team? And that probably included us a little bit as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, But but I mean, you know, that's you know, we were 13 and 1. Yes, it wasn't pretty today. It wasn't the best that they can play. But like Amanda said, like Kathy has pointed out a couple of times, you just got to keep winning. You find ways to win. And you don't want to be the best team on January 1st. You want to be the best team on April the 1st. And that's where you got to kind of keep moving forward and, and take everything you do and learn from it and, and, and try to get a little bit better. Make your adjustments, make your tweaks, whatever you got to do. And let's face it this is still a team and I know, and I'm not trying to make any excuses for the loss of Michigan state or anything that's been going on, but getting grace Berger back, even close to a healthy grace burger will help getting, if she finally gets back, because we thought Keondra Brown will, well, I, I should say we've been here in kind of middle of January about Keondra Brown anyway. So we're maybe still a couple of weeks away from Keondra Brown. All of a sudden now, Your depth and your rotations will look a whole lot different on the first of February than they did on January 1st. So that's going to be kind of my last thought is let's just, you know, again, let's just remember that it is a grind. It is a a long journey and we want to be better as we get better or get to playing. Into March. So, and if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. You can also be part of our private community as well. Join for free today at join.assemblycall.com or I should say join today. It's no longer free. Join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assembly.com. And special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our new logo that you can see in the corner if you're watching on the YouTube feed. Also a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our new music. Music that you've been hearing throughout the broadcast. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you soon. We want to thank Amanda Foster from Crimson Cast for coming on and joining us again. Uh, hopefully she'll be coming back again in the future as we enjoy having her. And until then, keep your elbows, your elbow in your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. All
1: right. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New
0: Year, bye. All right.